All right, welcome to the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. This is Episode 7, Break It Like Beckham. Good morning, children. Welcome to school. That's a cool tune. That's a cool tune. Well, welcome to everybody out there listening. It's uh, it's Dave here with Jason. As always, we have our special guest of the evening, rookie expert, Sean Foss. Hello, Sean. How's it going, guys? It's officially Foss-tober. It's Foss-tober. Yeah. Two Fosses, two weeks in a row. He writes the Rookie Report uh, as a weekly feature for the Drink5.com website. Uh, it's also up on the subreddit Fantasy Football from time to time, as well as uh, posted on Twitter and everywhere else that you can find it. Um, I'm sure we'll be joined by a couple guests this evening. Uh, please be aware that you can ask us lineup questions, make comments or questions, or just generally be a nuisance in the chat room, and we're appreciative of that. We're fine with it. Yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> it's also Jason's birthday, uh, and he's 30-something. I don't know if he wants to share Guilty the... Guilty as charged. I don't know if he happy, wants to share the actual birthday. number. <laughs> I'm younger than you, Dave. Uh, yeah? I'll take it. Everybody here is younger than me, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> that may be true. Well, I can be the old guy on the podcast today. That's fine. Uh, so, as always, we start with the uh, What Are You Drinking segment, and currently... Well, I'm finishing a Fist City from Revolution. One of my favorites, just like, buy a 12-pack of cans and you can just drink them all day. Very good uh, session beer. Yep, I'm currently finishing a Highland Brewing Company Gaelic Ale. Uh, I haven't had it before, but it's delicious. Uh, from Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, and I just had a a Pacifico, you know, the standard uh, Mexican lager, which I, I kind of dig from time to time, mostly with tacos. But we just poured the uh, 21st anniversary racist, Hail to the Hop Thief double IPA from Stone Brewing, which is uh, a pretty good beer, 9.8% double IPA, um, Imperial IPA. Um, and it's, Is it a Radiohead-inspired beer? Probably. You know, Hail to the Thief. Hail to the Hop Thief. Hail to, to the Hop drunk, Thief. Dave? I mean, that's just a natural side effect of the podcast in general. <laughs> it's not that I'm trying to get, get you drunk. <laughs> he, he doesn't have to try very hard. Um, so, so the title of the, of the episode is Break It Like Beckham. We'll get to that. I think most people in fantasy world kind of already know what that's alluding to. And it's not that, uh, that movie, Bend It's not it. David Beckham? No, not David Beckham, but a different Beckham that a lot of people drafted in the first round and now have to come up with a replacement for which hopefully doesn't become a theme over the year. We've already had two of them. Hopefully there's not any more that, that occur over the next couple of weeks because it really puts a damper on um, you know, what you can do with your fantasy team. But I wanted to ask you guys uh, first, before we move into any of the topics that I've kind of preordained, uh, being that week five is over, that's five weeks of the fantasy season that have already been completed. So realizations that you may have made about players or the team or the leagues that you're in or fantasy football in general. And I know it's kind of a broad topic, but uh, I figure, um, you know, we talk about fantasy all the time off the show. There's got to be some, you know, big epiphanies that, that have come across in your, your heads in the last couple of weeks. Um, hmm. We're not always right about everything, but you should always trust your own advice, I think. You know, if you're going to give recommendations, uh, I think go with it. We talked about that earlier tonight, how 
Uh, it's happened to all of us at a certain point or another. Um, but really, I would say that um, some of the things that we've sort of taken for granted over the years, which is wide receivers are going to do really well early in the year and running backs are going to do well later in the year, or it's harder uh, to break into the league as a rookie running back or quarterback rather than a wide receiver. Uh, you know, all that stuff has sort of turned on its head this year. Be- mostly because of the rookie running back class, which are all doing better than they're expected. spectacular. And Sean had told me like a year and a half ago that this is the year that they're all coming out. Yeah, I think we knew in in 2015 even that this this would be 2017 would be the year of the of the running back in the draft class. Yeah, no, I I'd, I'd agree with that. The rookie running backs have been just fantastic. Um, I think I, I don't think that it's necessarily going to end with this season. I think there's another crop of them next year. Um, they're going to be a surprise as well. Um, I think the thing that that we've learned so far this year is seems to be the same things that we learn every year, though. I mean, obviously the rookie running backs have been great, but every year we're reminded in the first four or five weeks of the season that we really don't know who's good until a month into the season. <laughs> um, and even when it, we come to a year where all of a sudden it looks like running backs are coming back, and you know, the last few years. The league's gone pass-heavy. Early rounds in the draft tend to fo- focus on wide receivers. The last year or so, it's turned back to running backs, but we're reminded again this year, it doesn't mean anything if they don't stay healthy, and running backs are so much more volatile for injuries than receivers. And we've seen it again and again and again this season already. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are going down. We saw Dalvin Cook go down. Um, that was a big hit to the rookie running back class. So, you know, I, I'm just I'm just so impressed by these guys. You said there was 14 fantasy relevant rookie quarterbacks or running backs right now? Yeah, so I saw a tweet earlier today from Sigmund Bloom who's uh does uh football guys. Um uh, it's the site that he runs and he he tweeted out there's been 14 fantasy relevant running backs this year. And that doesn't even include Corey Clement who started to kind of get a little bit of a footing in the Eagles backfield now that Darren Sproles is out for the year. Uh, I mean, the number of guys who have made an impact this season and been fantasy relevant is much higher than we're used to um, among the rookie class. And I think a lot of it has to do with just how high-end the top-end rookies have been. I mean, we knew, you know, Mixon and McCaffrey and Fournette and Dalvin Cook. Yeah. But did we know Chris Carson was going to come in and have those couple games? Did that anyone know did? that Kareem Hunt would Kareem be the Hunt best player? Kareem Hunt was going to be the number one running back the first four or five weeks of the season. Absolutely. And, we'll, yeah. and we'll, we'll go over some of those guys a little bit later in a segment, too, specifically about rookies. But I, isn't it amazing that uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't usually work that way? Although we did, uh, just the previous year, have a really good um, year for, for rookie wide receivers, for example. So uh, it does come out. It kind of pushes the bar in one direction or another. Well, I mean, the, this is probably the last two, three, four seasons we've seen so many high-end rookie wide receiver draft picks fall flat as rookies, mostly due to injury. Um, we may have seen some lower drafted the guys lower guys pan sort out, of pan out, work, but, work I mean, better. You, you look at the last few years and you look at Kevin White and Brashad Perriman and Laquan Treadwell and Josh Doxson, now Corey Davis and Mike Williams and John Ross. Yeah. This is about three or four years in a row where we've just seen these first-round rookie wide receivers just not pan out to start and their careers. You did some good research on that before the season started. Uh, would you go back, like, five years or so? Uh, no, I go back to 2000. To 2000. That so, was uh, back 16, 17 seasons. Yeah, check yeah. out the website for uh, that sort of you know off-season research Sean did uh, based on, like, where guys are drafted versus how much success they're going to have. But I always thought that 
wide receivers could translate easier to the NFL because all they have to do is learn how to run routes. They don't have to learn how to block. They don't have to pick up blitzes like the running backs do. So I always felt like it was an easier transition for those guys. Um, and maybe it's just that the running back talent is so damn good that it doesn't matter. Like, you're not going to take a guy like Leonard Fournette out if he's missing a block or two. Well, we don't we don't want to say that it's all they have to do is run routes because the routes are really difficult and really difficult offenses in the NFL. Sure. And a lot of guys can't handle it. They're not smart enough. There's too much going on. Um, there are, on that same token, several wide, or running backs that are out there that, that aren't all that intelligent, that all they do is run through tackles. They're just really good at it. Um, so I don't know. How do you how do you Adrian Peterson types? How do you match that up? Is it is it uh, something to do with one or the other being more intelligent or or breaking into the NFL easier or being on in the right team that has the right offense that you were kind of already running, or does it have anything to do with the the way that the offensive lines have kind of changed from college from the past couple of years? Well, I think I think at least to a degree, um, you the the teams are finding new ways to use the rookie running backs that come through. I don't feel like being good at pass protection is automatically a requirement to get on the field like it used to be. Otherwise, they'd be two or three years Like it used to be, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, you go back a few years. I mean, Ronnie Hillman, when he was a rookie, I mean, he's out of the league now, so clearly the talent wasn't there. But with Ronnie Hillman, the whole issue his rookie year was, well, he can't beat out – or not. I'm sorry, not Ronnie Hillman, Monty Ball. Couldn't beat out Ronnie Hillman because he couldn't pass protect. Right. And you don't see that – Because Wisconsin, all they did was hand him the ball. But you don't see that now. You see guys who maybe can't pass protect, but they'll put them on the field on third down and throw them the football anyway. And they find ways to get these guys involved that don't involve them having to do the things they're not good at. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving on to some of the things from uh, Week 5 and and news that's just happening now. Adrian Peterson was just traded to the Cardinals for a conditional pick. And in a corresponding move, Chris Johnson was cut. A lot of people had picked up Chris Johnson or Andre Ellington a couple of years, uh, a couple of weeks ago when David Johnson went down, and it turns out that Ellington's the better pickup because Chris Johnson doesn't really have it in him anymore, and Arizona's offensive line is suffering quite a bit. So uh, what I'm asking uh, you guys, and uh, of course uh, I have some thoughts on the subject as well, is how will this move affect fantasy relevance for Adrian Peterson? Is there going to be fantasy relevance for him as the short yardage back ahead of Ellington? Um, and does it affect Ellington negatively? Will he get less work in the game? Uh, and then does it affect Ingram and Kamara positively uh, on New Orleans with him moving out and not having any competition for extra touches? Sean, you want to Yeah, I'll jump in first. Um, so I think it's, it's a slight positive for the two guys in New Orleans. Um, you don't have the specter of... Adrian Peterson and the, the coaching staff saying week after week. The freaking death stare. The, well, the week I mean, after, he was only the, getting like four touches a game or something. So. True, but you also had the um, week after week. more than that. You know, the, the every week coach speak of the coaches saying, he's going to break out some week for us here in, in New Orleans. That you kept waiting and, and struggling to maybe, there maybe there's some weeks where you hesitated to play Mark Ingram or hesitated to play Kamara, um, you know, because they keep talking up Adrian Peterson. Well, now right. you don't have that specter over the, over the shoulders. I still think there's a chance they bring in a third back who actually has a relevant weaker there. A la, I, they're Tim, definitely going to have a third guy there. Oh, I mean, look at Tim Hightower last season. Exactly. I mean, I mean it's bound to happen. Um, but I certainly think it's at least a small, very small positive for both Kamara and Mark Ingram. More so for Ingram because those snaps are probably being more stolen from him than from Kamara. Yep, that's what I would think. Yeah, um, and, you know, he did have a little over seven touches per game. With the Saints, so that that work is going to go to those two guys. Like I agree with you, a slight bump to the guys in New Orleans, 
As for is he going to be any good in Arizona? I you know I, I have no idea. Arizona doesn't look very good this year. Um, Adrian Peterson looks like he has some spirit, but his yards per carry were was terrible so far this year. He was averaging three yards per carry. So, you know, I, I don't really see that changing very much. He might get a high volume of carries, uh, but he's not going to produce a whole lot. Yeah, and they have to be in a situation to be using that short yardage running back, which they're not really right now because they're not usually up in games. Um, you know, right now in in their current situation in the NFL, I so. would compare him to Marshawn Lynch. This past week, you know, it, it was almost assumed that Marshawn Lynch would get a ton of work because they were going to need him so much because Derek Carr wasn't there. But they went down right away, and they can't, you know, run the ball with Marshawn Lynch a whole bunch when they're down fourteen points. Yeah, uh, that's true. I think the biggest red flag with Adrian Peterson, Peterson in Arizona is that the the Cardinals' offensive line is not good. Exactly, and they're he needs not, to have the good O line because he's a not, between the tackles guy. They're not going to run the ball effectively. I would still at this point rather own Bruce Ellington. Um, sorry, not Bruce Ellington, but uh, Andre Andre Ellington. Ellington. Bruce Ellington's a Texan, <laughs> but Andre Ellington then Adrian Peterson in most formats, just because they're still going to be a pass heavy team. And right. Ellington has been getting, I mean, how many targets the last Bruce few Arians' weeks? offense is always going to throw first. Sure. And with the Raiders, I feel like when Derek Carr gets healthy, they're still going to be a competitive football team and win more often than they lose. And that's going to make Marshawn valuable. Arizona, even when they're ahead, they're not going to run the ball effectively. And I think they're still going to. I think there's going to be weeks where, when you're in a plus matchup against a team like San Diego or Jacksonville, who kind of funnels the game to the run game. He'll have some competitive weeks where he's a flex running back. He is not a starting running back, even in standard leagues at this point. So, so in my opinion, I, I don't think you really even pick up Adrian Peterson. But, I mean, I know people are going to, and that's fine. But I, I don't think he's going to start for my team or even be on the bench because I'm not interested in his situation. I mean, if you're in a standard yeah. league and you're owning a guy like Wendell Smallwood or, I mean, some of these guys that... See, I think Smallwood might have more plus than Peterson does right now. You're saying you, you would drop Smallwood for Peterson in a redraft. Um, again, in a standard league, not in a PPR or half PPR. The reason I say that is because... Adrian Peterson is going to get the starters' carries. Smallwood, when he comes back, has still got to compete with LeGarrette Blunt. He's still got to compete with Corey Clement. Uh, there's just too many bodies in Philly for you to just say, yeah, I'd rather have Smallwood than Peterson. Peterson is still going to be the lead power run, but running back. He's going to get 15 carries a week, I would say, on average. Right, so if Arizona starts playing better, if their offense clicks and they, they begin to have the lead in games, then he's going to get the 15-plus touches in a game. I just don't know if that's going to happen or not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that seems like his ceiling to me, is 15 carries in a game. Sure. Uh, both uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and Brandon Marshall are now out for the season. Uh, injuries also to Shepard, who's in a walking boot right now, and to Dwayne Harris, who wasn't a real standout receiver, but he was receiver depth and uh, kick return special teams guy. For at least the next couple of games, it might only be Roger Lewis, uh, and Evan Engram, who are the only guys really competing for targets outside of someone like um, um, like Wayne Gallman or Shane Vereen. Yeah. So with those two guys, is it even possible that that they uh, that they really do well versus the you know number one and number two cornerbacks on opposing defenses? Is it is someone like Roger Lewis even rosterable? 
Um, I I probably wouldn't necess- I wouldn't run to the waiver wire to claim Roger Lewis. I'd rather have Adrian Peterson. Can Sterling Shepard? <laughs> can Sterling Shepard actually perform as the number one receiver on the Giants? Say he gets healthy in two weeks, he becomes the number one receiver there. Kind of no questions asked. But is he even going to be any good versus the number one cornerbacks? I think I, he can have a couple good games. I would be very wary of him against Denver if he does but yes, play. Not against Denver. But I fully expect that they will still use Sterling Shepard as a slot receiver. I think that's where he's at his best, and very rarely do the top corners follow receivers into the slot. Yeah, they Lewis, the number one guy. Lewis right. kind of becomes their number one guy, and then Engram might be their number one target. But even Engram, you know, has has been up and down, and he's a rookie tight end. I I would disagree with up and down. He had one down week. Well, he's no. He's that caught, was the week when they had no other receivers. Though. So so far this so season, it shouldn't be a down week. It shouldn't have been, but he's played five games and he's had at least four catches and forty five yards in four of those five games. Week five was the first time all year he was held short of that. In PPR for or in PPR formats, his worst week before this week was tight end fourteen. He's at least a borderline tight end one every single week, and I'm not going to be. Completely thrown off by the one week that he didn't have a catch. Yeah, I think still, going forward, he's still I think what Jason and I are saying. Our, our our issue with that is just that if if they're not throwing to him when they don't have anyone else, uh, then does that mean that he was he was covered really well, or does that mean that 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 was not the option that they were supposed to go to according to the offensive play calling? I'm not sure because I didn't watch the game really closely. Um, after I saw those couple injuries, I was just kind of like, <laughs> check out of that one. But, I mean, I would I would lean towards the defense probably focused on him once those other guys went down. Yeah, and that's going to be. I mean, when Roger again, that's going to be an issue for him. Well, here's the thing: Roger Lewis is your number one receiver. They literally didn't have anyone else. I mean, nobody else on the team was healthy this week. They at least have signed Tavares King, who has some experience in that offense, and Travis Rudolph, who's kind of an exciting rookie out of Florida State um, that a lot of fans liked in the preseason, just didn't make the final roster. Uh, I think there's a real chance that those guys at least take a little pressure off Engram, and Engram is still good for five for 50 every week, which puts them, again, right on that tight end one borderline every single week. Sure. I, I wonder if uh, this is a situation where the Giants go in and, and pick up someone like Anquan Bolden or something like that that uh, is going to be an, an older veteran receiver not currently playing, but someone that's going to be able to be a possession receiver for them. I mean, to be honest, I'm surprised they didn't re-sign Victor Cruz already. I think he's done with the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he went to camp with the Bears this year. He scored a touchdown in preseason. He salsa I mean, danced a little. And again, he knows the it's offense. True. He played yeah. in this offense last year. I assumed he would be the first guy they would call. Yeah, I would think they so, too. They probably called him. Um, I mean, all teams keep a list of guys that they're going to call. On Sunday evening, Coughlin's list. But but at this point, with the Giants sitting at <laughs> not own, anymore, Coughlin's list. With the Giants sitting at zero five, what is the real upside to trying to bring in guys to make you help you win games? This no, year? no, no. The point the point I for think, them might be just to, to yeah, have a good draft pick next year. Yeah. I think you'll still I think you'll see an uptick in passing usage out of Shane Vereen. I think he'll have a bigger role going forward. But other than that, I think you see more Engram. I think you see more Shepard, and I think you see some of those other guys try to fill the, the void. Whether it's Roger Lewis, or um, as I mentioned, the other guys, Tavares King and um, Travis uh, Travis Rudolph. Okay, and then lastly, uh, I know that <laughs> this is an interesting topic, and it comes up and down, you know, kind of like a like a Tebow or like a, a whatever. But Josh Gordon is back in the news here, and the news is that he is going to be reapplying for reinstatement, and there's a possibility due to all reapplying the... for reinstatement. Yeah, yeah, but 
But I'll tell you what, like there's no one on Cleveland really who's catching the ball outside of Duke Johnson, and uh, there's certainly some other teams that that may want to trade for a guy like that that could turn their seasons around. So if he does come back, he would be someone who's fantastic, but I can't count on that in my leagues. I'm not going to pick him up, but I already see him being picked up in some leagues due to speculatory uh, you know, fantasy managers. So my question to you guys is just, do, do you think that there's any chance that he comes back this season? No. See, I do. Yes, I absolutely think he plays this season. I, I, I would rather have Adrian Peterson on my team. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh Gordon is a, is a fantastic receiver. He was. He hasn't played football in like a year and a half he, or more. He's also still in freakish physical condition. That's great. But, you know, at this point, i got to see it to believe it. Like, I, I've seen it before, but that was like before he got kicked out of the league for the first time. When he got reinstated, he did not do a whole lot, and then got kicked out right away. So I'm like, gonna, do you I'm, want to actually invest something in a guy that might just get kicked out again? Well, if you have that spot on your roster where you're like, you know, player of the week, where you're constantly picking up and dropping someone, I think most people do. I usually do. Yeah. If you have that spot, it's it's worth a speculative grab. But if you're uh, speculating on Gordon, yeah, but, you have to pick him up now and let him sit on your bench until he comes back, which might not even happen. That removes the utility of that spot on your bench. No, right. And I've already added him and dropped him in three separate leagues there this season. Go. So I get it. I get it. He's speculating. But here's, here's, here's the thing with Digging Josh Gordon. Gold. Here's the thing with Josh Gordon that I, I think a lot of people have maybe, may have missed today. I, I mean, in years past when he had been suspended, I was one of those people who sitting here like, Come on, you're going to suspend him for two full seasons because he smoked a little bit of weed? But today, there was an interview with him that was released where he was very upfront and basically said, look, I was doing all kinds of stuff, whether it was weed or cocaine or codeine or whatever else. He was on all kinds of stuff. And even then, he said, my first trip to rehab was a publicity stunt. This well, is you saw the same now. thing I saw. He, he, they're filming a documentary about yeah. it. He's how much he turned his his life yeah. around. This is a guy who has done taking all the steps he actually needed to take instead of just saying he was taking. Them. I just don't know if it's going to be this year or next year. I do think he'll come back in the NFL, but I hate to lose that roster spot. Like Jason said, I don't want to pick up a guy with a speculative move and then and then not be able to use that spot the rest of the year. No, and I and I get that because it's not like he's going to walk in the door and be catching for two hundred yards like he was right before he was suspended. Right. I mean, he's putting up 200 yards a week at one point. <laughs> I went back. I was actually looking at it because I remembered that season. I, I had Josh Gordon his last season that he played the whole year. 2014? And he was fantastic down there. He put up 200 yards and a touchdown every he, single he week. He was pretty much the best receiver ever to play the game in the stretch that he For played For about a six-game stretch, yeah. It's yeah. like if, if Deshaun Watson, who we'll talk about later, was to put up like two more five touchdown games in a row, then you'd be like, I don't know what's happening, and no one knows what's happening, but obviously this, this is something. This is a historic stretch. <laughs> and, and so I'll agree that I probably at this point because again I, I scooped him and then dropped him already so obviously I'm not that committed to him um, well it's okay, I, it's okay if we don't agree but I'm looking for when, when I have these kinds of questions uh, some kind of a consensus so yeah. for us we're, you know, we're talking about Adrian Peterson not being super valuable not being a real starter moving forward in the league we're talking about um, uh, Roger Lewis not really being a starter Evan Engram being a low end tight end one and then I think Josh Gordon more likely than not uh, not changing the the outcome of your fantasy team this year. Yeah, I would say with 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 respect to Gordon, hold out another week or two. Um, if you don't, even if you don't get any more news, if you can give it two weeks and you have an extra roster spot you can afford to hold him on, go ahead and pick him up. <laughs> um, but I, I'm rooting for him. But yeah, he probably won't make a big impact this season. Okay.
turned up pretty loud. What was that, YouTube? Did YouTube do that to us? That was not YouTube. Those levels are not even then. <laughs> anyway, uh, apologize if anybody there had a super turned up, but you know, you just got your socks rocked off, and that's that's how it's going to be. <laughs> We're going to look forward into the next couple of weeks into the NFL and uh, try to get some some interesting fantasy uh um, speculation out there for you. Also, it being Jason's birthday, we're going to continue to cheers to Jason all night long. So let's do it one more time. Cheers. And uh, we're going to open up a new bomber in a second. It's a, a, a double IPA called Stone Ruination. Oh, this is a classic. Classic double IPA. That's right. So, uh, the 2.0. Again, I have some questions for you guys and myself, and I want us to share kind of uh, our opinion on these guys. Jay Ajayi has 261 rushing yards on the season, but no touchdowns. Um, obviously, there's there's tons going on with the Dolphins at the moment, including some craziness with their offensive line coach, who just um, just dipped out of uh, the facility. Um, I would say he got blown away. He blew out of the facility. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm no good with these uh, drug-related puns. I'll have to get some help from the chat room. But uh, <laughs> specifically, chaos surrounding their offensive line is obviously impacting him. And then being able to to move the ball is a problem with their offense in general. So do you guys think that situation will be getting better anytime soon? I know that there is talent on the Dolphins. Um, I, I know that, that there should be games where they are moving the ball, regardless of if they had Cutler or Mike Glennon or, or Ryan Tannehill or who their quarterback is, they should still be able to move the ball downfield. Do you think they'll get better as a team as it, as it moves forward, or is Jay Ajayi going to go down as one of those busts just because of other situational stuff out there? I don't see Jay Ajayi going down as a bust, to be honest. I think that the Dolphins will be able to turn their offense around at least a bit. Um, you know, maybe... Uh, getting a clear-headed offensive line coach will help the run game. Because (laughs) I believe that video took place uh, prior to going to a team meeting. Okay, sure. I mean, averaging like 70 yards and and no touchdowns is not someone you want to start in a a league. So it's kind of an issue. If you have Jay and I don't in a league... uh, I I think he falls under the start your studs like mantra that we typically uh, endorse earlier in the season. I think that after a certain amount of teams, where he is in my book right someone now, can fall out of that stud. Are you, uh, are you benching Jay Ajayi right now? If he's not scoring touchdowns. Look, you said don't start someone who only gets 70 yards and, and no touchdowns every week. I have been starting Lamar Miller every week, and it's driving me nuts. <laughs> his, his predecessor in Miami, actually. Well, it's frustrating, uh, right, no, at the very least. It is. I think the issue is the offensive line. I don't think the issue is yeah. Jay Ajayi. I think he's run fine. Um, I think he's still breaking tackles and eluding tackles at the same rate he did last season. I think he's just getting less yardage before contact, less yardage before the defense is on him because the O-line hasn't been as good. And a lot of that's because you just don't have to respect Jay Cutler in the passing game the way you did when Tannehill was healthy last year. That's a good point. I mean... True. So I mean, the, the Tennessee Titans... Jay Cutler, have been, after all. The Titans have been one of the worst pass defenses in the league through the first five weeks. And Cutler didn't throw for a hundred yards against them. Yeah, this is this is a serious I problem. I wouldn't say it was the Tennessee being great. 
Cutler anything. When you look at, right. at no, a press... that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. Cutler who's terrible. When you look at a press conference with Jay Cutler, it, it looks like he's going into rehab, you know, not like coming out of it. He's, <laughs> it looks like he's, he's just recently strung out. I mean, the, the Titans in the first four weeks of the season gave up at least one guy in the top 12 wide receivers in PPR scoring each and every week of the first four weeks. If you added up all of the Dolphins receivers, I'm not sure they get there. Well, I do also think it'll bounce back, but I wonder if it all is about the offensive line. This is, it must be a terrible thing for Cutler to go from one situation where he had no uh, protection to another situation where he has less protection. I, I think, at least in this case, I think Cutler is part of the problem. I think he needs to kind of play more consistently. Sure. Uh, but Jay Ajayi is someone that we think is still playing at a um, at a high level, and he just needs some help around him. So, not someone to sell uh, to sell low. Um, Buck Allen, Javorius Allen. Well, I love that guy's name; it's awesome. I, I feel like when you listen to uh, announcers talking about him and analysts from ESPN or NFL, you commonly hear it mispronounced. Well, sometimes they they might start Javorius Allen a bunch of times. Well, they all just call him Buck, so no one even knows his I, name. I get more bothered by Martavius <laughs> Bryant. Oh, I hate Martavius Bryant. Bryant. Yeah. Don't forget Buck Alshon Allen. Jeffries. Alshon Jeffries and Martavius Bryant. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah, so, incorrect. So, 73 yards and a touchdown on 21 carries. Also caught four passes on the against the Raiders on Sunday. And they have uh, Alex Collins, who's also been pretty good uh, gaining yardage, uh, being the short yardage guy. Uh, and it looks like Terrence West is just no longer going to be the guy there uh, for a number of reasons in Baltimore at this point. Yeah, so, let me just say thank you, Mike, if you're listening. <laughs> So, are we prepared to give Allen the start regularly on our teams? And do you think the Ravens' offense will still be kind of chaotic, or are they kind of getting over uh, losing to the Jaguars by 80,000 points? Um, for, if I can jump right in, uh, with Buck Allen, if you're in a standard league, I would not count on the kind of production he put up this week. He's not going to get 20 carries every week. They see him more as a third down back, who if he has a hot hand may mix in on early downs. And I don't think Terrence West is done. So, here's the, here's the thing. Alex Collins is running for seven yards a carry. He has a couple of fumbles, which is why they continue to turn back to Terrence West. Right. But when West was healthy this week, they went back to Terrence West. He got hurt again, and that's why Collins got more of the work again. Well, tell us a little bit about Collins. So he's had a fumbling problem going back to college, right? Um, Yeah, to, to oh, a degree. I like his nickname. His nickname I, is Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but yes, he's, he's had some fumble issues going back. But so far this year, he's already put the ball on the ground two or three times. Well, I like the guy. I like how he's running, etc. But it doesn't matter how good you are if you're going to give all that yardage back to the other team. Well, but, yeah. Well, like I said, his yardage per carry is insane uh, to this point in the season. 7.1 yards per carry. 7 yards a carry. Over like 37 carries. Yeah, I mean, that's not that small of a sample size to average seven yards a carry. Well, then you got the coach who's yeah. like, one out of every eight that times is not he's going to fumble. That is an Anton Smith problem. <laughs> yeah, so he's when, had two fumbles on the year. That's too many, that's clearly. Because he lost Nobody's going to say um, two fumbles a, lost. That's a problem. Uh, and, and again, so that's why they continue to, to turn back to Terrence West and let him average three or four yards a carry running the same plays. Allen will continue to be the passing down guy. He's always going to have value in PPR and half PPR leagues. But in standard leagues, don't count on what he did this past week to be a weekly occurrence. So what's good about a guy that is the passing down guy is that usually they're the ones that are in if a team is even or, or losing, as opposed to a, a Terrence West or an Alex Collins, which will probably be in there most of the game if they're winning and trying to burn clock. So my question about the offense is generally, uh, do you think that the Ravens will kind of just be all over the board, or do you think that they're starting to get it back more stable? 
I mean, I don't think with as far as running backs catching passes for that team, I don't think it matters if their offense is stable or not. Flacco is always thrown to his running backs a lot. Well, and Danny, Danny Woodhead is going to come back later this year, and they'll probably go right back into the offense. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, I think Buck Allen is a great play until Woodhead comes back, but a who knows when play. that happens. Yeah. Right, correct. And, and I, right now they're saying, something like week know, nine or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. can, we can say that, but until it actually happens. We don't know. You're right. Don't know. <laughs> um, Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins. So, fun to watch the last couple games, obviously. Um, I, I've like we saw the game on uh, on Monday night just yesterday, which was just a trip to watch. Um, and I, I'm wondering how the story ends. So happy ending, sad ending for Houston owners and fantasy uh, and fantasy owners this year. Houston fans rather uh, and fantasy owners this They're year. Bittersweet for them, really. Do you think that uh, what I'm asking about is? Do you think that Houston's offense is going to continue to operate at a high level with this Watson and and passing to Hopkins and passing to Fuller? I know the thing about Fuller is uh, he's only going to get a couple of targets, so he's going to be a boomer bust receiver. The fact that he's done well over the past two games is great, and he caught a couple that he might not have caught in previous years. I know your big knock on him and mine too was that he's a super fast guy, not the best hands, small hands. Uh, he's got like eight and a quarter inch hands or something like that, which is kind of ridiculous for a receiver. <laughs> but he's a body catcher, so if he's able to to start catching on a regular basis and get those long, you know, down the field catches, he's going to do well with Watson, who likes to throw the ball downfield. Yeah, I mean, it's worked out really well so far. I mean, the the big issue with him, if you're a body catcher, is you're not going to be able to really. He also isn't great with the nuance of the short route running. Um, so he's not going to be a guy you can feed the ball underneath and feed the ball into short routes and have him pile up catches and then beat you deep with him. I mean, that's – you look at a guy – I mean, obviously no one's going to compare him to Antonio Brown, but you look at Antonio Brown, he can do everything. He can run the short routes, the deep routes. But he's not near as fast as a guy like Fuller. Antonio Brown's not that far off of Fuller's speed. No, Brown, I think I think he runs uh, uh, low 4.5 or high 4.4. Four. Whereas Fuller's like a 4.32 or something think, like that? I think you're underestimating Brown's speed. You, you know what? That's just the confirm. 40 in the combine. It doesn't mean that that's their actual speed anyway. Fair enough. Um, I Again, I think Fuller in this current offense is a great fit because, like you said, Watson will, t- will test you downfield. I think some weeks that's going to hurt him, but it hasn't in the last few weeks. So Glenn, Glenn in the chat room wants to talk a little bit more about Watson. And although we'll, we'll do a little segment on rookies in a second, um, maybe you'll give us your sort of report card on Watson so far from what you've seen and what it means. Um, or is it just uh, sort of a high-flying paper airplane right now and it'll kind of come crashing down? <laughs> um, so, I mean, with him, I feel like some of it has been that he's playing against some softer pass defenses, some defenses that have given up some yards, some given up some touchdowns when they're not playing against him. Um, but I also think, to a degree, he has looked much better than expected. I mean, you if you watched him in the preseason, you thought that Deshaun Kaiser was twice the quarterback that he yeah, was. Yeah, I watched him in the preseason, and I was a little scared of uh, of what what I was seeing. Yeah, and he has come out, and and this is kind of the thing that he had at Clemson too, was that when the lights are brightest is when he plays his best. Yeah, well, he always came to play in the biggest spots, in the biggest moments against the biggest opponent, opponents. Even in the loss to Bama, his second to last year of college, he put on a show in that game and then did the same thing when they beat Bama for the national title the following year. That's what's happening right now. So his first big game was against the Patriots, right? And then his next game was his first home start. And then last week they played on Sunday Night Football against the Chiefs. 
the best team in the league. Like, they didn't win the game, but he went from 22 to 34 to 35 points each week. Now, I, I, I think obviously he's in the quarterback one conversation right now, but is he, like, one of the three best quarterbacks playing in the league right now? I would hesitate before I'd call him one of the three best quarterbacks in the league. You look at the three teams. I'm talking. I'm talking fantasy players this year. You look at the three. Like teams. I know he's not. He's not at that level yet. But uh, for like all like a long period of time. But right now he is playing better than Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and all the best quarterbacks in the league. I don't know that I would agree with that. He has more fantasy points than everyone. He has uh, beaten out Alex Smith uh, by just a few, even. Um, so. Really, it's um, you know, Deshaun Watson so, has had an impressive no, in, in run fantasy here. points. He's been great, but again, you look at the three defenses that he has played in those three weeks. He played New England, who has been the worst quarterback defense in the NFL thus far. Yeah, they've been a sieve, a sieve, and Tennessee, Tennessee, who Tennessee has allowed was exposed to that game. Yards. But 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 that game really like was what exposed yeah, them. Nobody, nobody expected 57-14 to 14 City, or whatever that game turned out to be. Against Kansas City, he put up his biggest game. Kansas City has the 27th best passing defense, but a lot of that has to do with the game that happened last now, night. Are you, when you say 27th, you mean 27th against quarterback fantasy points or uh, against simply passing yards? Passing yards. Really? Yeah. I... But that I could be... A lot of that could be because of the that. 300. Well, just passing yards is is a bit, like, arbitrary in my book. How many? Wait, how many pass attempts did did uh, Watson throw in that game? Wasn't it something like was it sixteen attempts or sixteen completions? Sixteen completions, thirty one attempts, and five touchdowns. He said he, he's been in the thirties the last few games as far as attempts goes. Well, in, as far as he's saying, like for example, uh, Kansas City's allowed nine passing touchdowns. So if you get rid of the four that occurred five. in that game, five, then that means they only had allowed four up to that point. So yeah. they were a, a good passing uh, defense team previous to playing Houston. But you could say that some of that was prevent uh, defense, you know, causing a lot of those touchdowns to occur. I don't know personally if I would say that or not. Um, but but obviously, Sean, he's he's done well, but hasn't gone through the gamut of NFL teams. Look, yet. He's getting he's going to get such an easy schedule this year. They play Cleveland. Just wait till they play Jackson. And then, that's and then where the struggles two weeks. will come in. Yeah, where they're averaging weeks. 170. Well, they play Seattle in Week Eight. So they, he's going to Seattle in Week 8. That will uh, clearly be his biggest test as far as a passer goes. But then he plays Indy, the Rams, Arizona, Baltimore, Tennessee, San Francisco. He's going to have he some fun against Indy. He has a huge stretch against a bunch of crappy teams. <laughs> he's going to have some fun against the Colts. He is going to put up huge QB1 numbers all year in my book. Well, I like your book. <laughs> I agree he's going to have a really strong season, but I still wouldn't put him ahead of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Well, no, you can't because those are those are consistently year-by-year year guys, whereas Deshaun Watson is a rookie, and you can't do that, I don't, I don't think. But you could call him a top-10 quarterback right now. I think you can do that. So, For so fantasy there's... Purpose, rest, purposes, rest of the season, absolutely. I'd call him top 10. Yeah, I mean, in my book, my book is always trends. Trends is uh, two or three games, most likely three games you're talking about. If you're trending up or trending even over three games, then I think that you can continue to count on that until uh, until such time as you're, you don't. So for uh, Deshaun Watson, fantasy purposes, top 10 guy. But you don't. I don't think you take out Tom Brady or you take out Drew Brees or you take out Aaron Rodgers and put in Deshaun Watson. I mean, that, that's something a madman does, right? I mean, I think it would depend on the matchup. If you had Aaron <laughs> Rodgers versus the Broncos and Deshaun Watson versus the Colts, you might do it. I, I, would, I would have trouble going to sleep at night starting <laughs> Deshaun Watson over Aaron Rodgers. Well, I know. You guys talk about the start your studs mantra, but I still feel like 
if you have an obvious good matchup in a good player and then a stud player in a brutal matchup, I'd rather play the good player in the really good matchup. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but every year you get like the best running back against the best run defense. And like most of the time, the offense ends up winning that matchup. All right, one more shot for uh, for Jason's birthday. Happy birthday, Jason. Cheers. I'm going to move on Thank somewhat quickly on these next couple uh, of things so we can get into a little bit of bets here before we end the evening. Cheers, everybody out there. Mm. So, uh, a little bit of uh, disagreement there, but that's fine. It makes total sense. I mean, the guy's only been playing for three games, and it's it's kind of magical or crazy, however you describe it, what's happening there. Kirk Cousins was routinely involved in top five quarterback discussions before the season started. So what's happening out there in Washington right now? Will it turn around? Will guys like uh, Terrell Pryor, uh, Josh Doxson, Jameson Crowder, are they going to step up? And will, is the problem more of a Kirk Cousins problem or a receiver's problem or something else? Um, I would I would say probably the receivers. Uh, Terrell Pryor's dropped some balls he shouldn't drop. Uh, and I think I don't think Crowder has been the problem. I think people expected too much of Jamison Crowder. He had a great year last year. Yeah, based on the number of receptions, really. Yeah. Um, and everyone kind of expected a step forward this year. And you're like, well, they lost Garcon. They lost Deshaun Jackson. He has to get more targets. And he's actually gotten less targets this year. He's on pace for fewer this year than he had last year. Um, I never looked at him as a guy who's going to dominate in the red zone. He's so undersized. Um, so the problem is the is the receivers or or Cousins. I think Cousins is is, gonna, is played fine and will continue to play fine. I think as as he gets more of a rapport with Terrell Pryor, they will find their stride as a passing. So offense. it's a chemistry issue, and we were just wrong as as I'm talking about all of the fantasy expert community in general uh, for putting him up there on that kind of a pedestal when changing out so many receivers. Kurt, uh, so here's the thing: I don't know that it was a consensus top five quarterback. He was considered a, a high quarterback. I think he still finishes in the top 10. Yeah. Jason, what do you think? I think Kirk Cousins is doing fine this year. The Washington Redskins will be fine this year. They have had a really tough schedule so far. They played Philly. They played the Rams, who I think everyone would agree are playing well this year. They've beaten the Rams. They beat Oakland, who everyone thought would do really well. They lost to Kansas City and Philadelphia, two of the best teams in the league. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I think Washington will be fine. I think that Kirk Cousins is doing just fine. He is right on his uh, career average for everything, or he's doing a little bit better. So uh, don't panic with the Redskins. If people are trying to sell them low, uh, buy them up maybe. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure like what wide receivers are going to hit there, um, but I know that Kirk Cousins is like the linchpin of that offense, and if he's playing well, they will be able to do well. They're putting enough weapons on that team. You know, Guys keep stepping up there. The, the Redskins will be fine. Yeah. They're playing San Francisco. They play Philly again soon. They play Dallas, who... You know, is definitely has, has beatable. proven to struggle with coverage. Yeah. Very tough schedule for Washington, but they're a good team. They're going to put up uh, plenty of points. Okay, good. Sounds like we kind of agree there as well. And one one other stat correction I wanted to point out. You mentioned the Chiefs had allowed the twenty seventh uh, most passing yards. You had it reversed. It's the sixth most through five. They were twenty seventh in the league, as in they were one of the worst teams in limiting passing yards. So they were not a good pass defense. Th- that's what right. I. That, that's yeah. what he was. I thought you were thinking. saying that they were twenty seventh in limit. Like they no, guys that was my intention. Okay, so I'm sorry if I misconstrued that. You, yeah. you made it sound like the Chiefs were one of the better pass. No, that's not what I meant. That's what I thought you were. saying. But I was okay. saying I, but the fact that Deshaun Watson just played them and put up that big of a game that made them go but pretty far down. But yeah. I think he threw for fewer yards than they give up on average. He threw for like they two, give up two. He had like two game. He had like two. 
280. He had like 280 and, so and five touchdowns. The touchdown yeah. number was off. I was high. 261. But the yardage number is right on par. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. But you're right. Going into play Jacksonville, for example, where they're they're giving up like 170 per game or something, that's going to be a true test for most of the teams. And honestly, I saw a post on Reddit the other 15. day. It's, uh, well, any team going in, just in general, while we're talking about fantasy, any any quarterback that's going to play Jacksonville, you, you go into it thinking that it's like last year or the year before, and you're like, yeah, they'll be fine. It's Jacksonville. Well, those guys on that team, that secondary, are really good this year. Really yeah. good. Yeah. And so it's... <laughs> It's kind of a pain in the butt, and like we talked about this a little earlier, well, they gave up three hundred yards passing. Well, the they'll, they'll remain they'll remain a debate for years now. Were the Cowboys right to take Zeke instead of Jalen Ramsey? And the way Ramsey's played is going to make that a debate for years. Yeah, he's he's arguably the best player on the Jaguars. So, uh, and it's funny we were talking about the Steelers because the Steelers are my team, right? And uh, they had a terrible game versus the Jaguars last week. And Ben threw five interceptions, and a lot of that's on him. But a lot of that is also, if you look at their two losses versus the Bears and the Jaguars, two teams that have a better defense than you think they did going into the season. Right. Although now the Bears have just lost. A... They, they keep losing. Everybody. <laughs> that the was Bears, before the they Bears lost are, everybody. The yeah. Bears are really bad at linebacker with the injuries. They, they, they are really bad. Um, so let's move into um, the, the rookie report. So, again, this is the, the column that uh, Sean writes on a weekly basis. So check it out at drink5.com. But basically, you're just kind of going over saying uh, what guys should you should start on a weekly basis, which guys you should uh, sit, which guys are maybes, and which guys are good in deep leagues or DFS plays, right? Is yeah, so, so for me, um, what, I, what I try to do every week, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the rookies are going to be fantasy relevant every year. Um, so I try to say which ones are obvious starts, and if they're obvious starts, I still try to break down the matchup to let you know, should you play them in, in a DFS league or not. Um, the maybes, I like to at least give you a little background so I know which, you know which way I'm leaning. Uh, and then some guys you should sit every week. Um and again, with those, I try to always list them in order that I would play them, so you have an idea. Yeah. Sure. And then I you always, throw out some sleepers. And then I would throw out some some uh, you know daily league sleepers, stashes, and you know just guys that might be sleepers for deeper leagues. You need in some general. more dynasty tips for us here, guy in my dynasty league. Yeah, <laughs> so, I hate to give you guys extra tips in the leagues that I'm against you in. You know. So let me. Let me go ahead and uh, and give you um, an overview of how I want this to go because there's a lot of guys. We don't have a lot of time. So what I would prefer to have happen is I'm just going to tell you some guys uh, that are rookies in each position. And by the way, the, the rookies are listed here in position based on how many fantasy points they have scored from highest to lowest. Uh, <laughs> some of them that I'll be listing haven't really played very much or have been injured or haven't played at all. So that's why they're at the end of the list. Uh, but I want you to tell me kind of thumbs up, thumbs down, or or kind of indifferent, and, and a reason in a sentence or two um, why that, that is the case. Is that cool? Yeah. So Deshaun Watson. Rapid fire. Uh, thumbs up. You want, you want any description? <laughs> Just a, a sentence, a yeah. Um, because he has been a QB1 three weeks in a row, I yep. believe. Because his nickname was the Michael and Jordan of football. he is the <laughs> long-term starter in Houston. Yep. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser. Thumbs down. I like Kaiser a lot. But he may not be the starter there again this season. Do you believe in him like Hugh Jackson? I, like, do you believe he exists? Do you believe he's really there? I believe he exists, but Hugh Jackson doesn't believe it enough to <laughs> enough him enough to say that he'll. The start coach over, has to believe. He's in already him. been benched yeah. this year. He doesn't, upset. he doesn't trust him enough to say he'll start over Kevin Hogan this week. Okay. And that is not a good. Sign. Mitch Trubisky. Thumbs up. I actually trust him long term as the Bears quarterback. I thought he showed some good things last night. A lot better um, than Glennon, at least. Uh, oh, it, I mean, and. The, the key thing with him is he's willing to throw the ball down the field. He made this 
There's one specific throw to Trey McBride that he put. Oh, the one that wasn't it shouldn't shouldn't have been a penalty. Eh, no, it was an offensive pass interference. He put okay. his hand in the guy's face <laughs> and pushed off. It was a it good was a throw. Penalty. Look, I can understand if they didn't call it a penalty, but I thought it was a penalty. But the throw was on the button, and he should have caught it. Okay, Patrick Patrick Mahomes. Um, I know it's hard to say he hasn't really played. So here, well, here's the thing. I I would say thumbs up on his talent. But the fact that Alex Smith has played as well as he has could make the Chiefs actually pause in the offseason and say maybe we'll want to keep him beyond this season. The whole assumption going into the year was Alex Smith is a free agent at the end of the year. And so he'll start this year, keep him a playoff contender, and then Mahomes steps in next season. Okay, Kareem Hunt, uh, running back, scored the most points so far out of all running backs. Obviously, thumbs up, right? No need no need to talk about that, really. Thumbs down. I didn't draft him anywhere. <laughs> Look, I haven't been only one league, but I'm 5-0 and oh in that league. Thumbs way up. <laughs> uh, Leonard Fournette. Thumbs up. Yeah, I wish he could catch more passes, but thumbs way up. Delvin Cook, uh, obviously long-term uh, interest in fantasy. Um... I would say thumbs up, but this is not the first serious knee injury he's had in his career. So the second the second one? I believe he had one in college that knocked him out for a season. And ACLs are generally pretty okay now uh, between athletes, but you, you you would always prefer to have someone on your team. you got to get it one from a good cadaver. Yeah. you got to remember that. Not from a pig or anything, right? Right, you, you need a good cadaver. You would prefer now that you don't have someone who had previous uh, injuries, and it's twice for him, so that's tough. Yeah, I mean, luckily they're knee injuries and not concussions because concussions can add up quicker than knee injuries can. Yeah, uh, you can replace you, your ACL. You can't replace. If your you brain. can get back from a knee injury, you can stay healthy. But let's, if, I mean, let's try to ahead, let's try to keep on. the lightning going. Christian McCaffrey, thumbs down. Uh, I mean, I I like his his athleticism and his speed. But I don't like that he has shown that he's not really able to run between the tackles at the NFL level. Yeah, he's a space guy, and that's pretty much it. Tariq Cohen. That's kind of a push. You can be indifferent say, on the guy. I don't want to say thumbs guy. up or thumbs down. He, they keep I, comparing him to Darren Sproles, but he doesn't get the ball as much. I loved Cohen the first few weeks, but the first few weeks, Benny Cunningham was not healthy and didn't play. And Cunningham's looked pretty good. Um, and Cohen has started to dance too much in the backfield and not really just take the ball and go with his speed. Okay. And he's losing snaps to Cunningham. Al, Alvin Kamara. Thumbs way up. Way up. I, I like what I've seen from him, too. Kamara. Uh, actually, he goes by... Yeah, Camara. Cam- he wants like like Camaro, but Chimera. Camara. If you ask him. All right, um, Alvin Camara. Way up. Um, he has been phenomenal as a pass catcher out of the backfield. The Saints love him, and he's shown the ability to run the ball a little bit too. I mean, he's shown his ability as a rusher mm-hmm. out of the backfield. I think he's got a very bright future, and I think he's better. He, he's got a better future than Ingram at this point. Um, Joe Mixon. I would say thumbs up, but the Bengals need to improve that O-line or he needs to find a new team. Yeah, and that's that's going to be tough because he's going to be that's there for he's going to be there for a couple of years it looks like. Yeah, I mean um, they lost they lost two uh Zeitler and uh Andrew Whitworth last offseason and it's killing their run game. They need some offensive How about now. Chris Carson? I know he's gone already uh for the season, but but he looked pretty good on Seattle, but they they have such a muddled backfield. So, so how do you feel about thumbs him? Thumbs down. Uh I mean, you look at what happened when Rawls was a rookie. Thomas Rawls was a standout out of nowhere. Uh, Top running great. back to nothing, right? Yeah. Exactly. I, <laughs> yeah. There's no draft capital in Chris Carson. Mm. No investment. Okay. If he doesn't come back, he doesn't come back. Uh, Aaron Jones uh, obviously had a really good game last game. Ty Montgomery will be coming back sometime in the next couple weeks. Uh, but it looks like Aaron Jones will get more, uh, um, you know, uh, 
more volume of work. But in Green Bay, it's hard for running backs to to be relevant anyway. So what do you think about Aaron Jones going forward? Indifferent in on Jones. I think Montgomery, once he's healthy, is still the lead back. He won't play 85% of the snaps anymore. Jones will play a role. But I don't know how that role grows going forward because Montgomery's, what, 24, 25, 26 years Yeah, old. he's young, right. You know, I don't see how he grows his role on that roster unless Montgomery... It's going to really help Montgomery not having to take the entire load. Uh, I mean, you say that, but he also still will run for fewer yards. He'll be more efficient with what he gets rather than being overloaded. Elijah McGuire? Indifferent. We haven't seen enough of him to know if he's really any good. The Jets are a tough team to... The, uh... the Jets aren't very good. I, I look forward <laughs> to watching enough him. enough of the Jets to know if they're any good. I look forward to watching him play this week, but I mean, most of his fantasy points on the year came on one long run against against the Jaguars, who have not been a great run defense. Well, that's a good point. A lot of times, uh, when you look at the stats after a game, but you didn't actually see the game, then you don't know if all of those uh, were five-yard runs, uh, or if he was like uh, a bunch of two-yard runs and one 60-yard run. And, and that's yeah. in the case with Elijah he had like a 30 30 yard run or something like that it was a big one I mean there was at one point this season for example Marlon Mack from the Colts at one point this year well let's go on to Marlon Mack at one point this season Marlon Mack had something like 15 carries for like 20 yards and he had a 24 yard run in there yeah. I mean, it was like so was he was just, just terrible except for Kareem the one. Hunt uh, in the first half of the game on Sunday night had 25 yards after contact and 24 yards uh, rushing. So Marlon Mack, does he take over for Gore? Or do they just split for the next six years? Uh, this is this is Gore's last year as a prominent <laughs> part of that offense. I've said that I, for six years. I think. I think that Mack can be the guy to take over, but it wouldn't surprise me if they bring in a free agent. In the Mack looks pretty good this week. I Mack would say. looked good this week. He does he, look good, but he's played really healthily. And he like played twice. against San Francisco. He's been healthy twice. It was against San Francisco, and then Week One, he scored a touchdown against um, who did the Colts play Week One? Any remembrance of that? Arizona? No, that was Week Two. Mm. Sorry, it doesn't matter. How about Wayne Gallman in New York? Indifferent. I mean, the, the the Giants have no running game, period. I like Wayne Gallman, but the Giants are so screwed up right now that nothing's going to matter for the whole rest of the season, I don't think. I mean, yeah. is, is Wayne Gallman that much more talented than Paul Perkins? I don't know. I don't know if there's that or much Or Orleans gap. Darkwa. From all the sources I've read, uh, Perkins and Darkwa are, are not guys that will be starters you know, going forward on teams. But, but do we know that Gallman will? Look, uh, right now the Giants we have just... We don't know that he won't yet. The yeah, Giants have just eschewed yeah. like, any kind of actual uh, stability for the rest of the year <laughs> when all of their receivers got injured. Sure. Uh, so continuing on, and let's do a little quicker. Uh, Cooper Cup. I would say... Um, oh, thumbs up. I mean, I up like for him. Cup. Been, uh, I think he's going to be great for PPR for years going forward. Okay, Juju Smith-Schuster on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Thumbs up. Yep, Smith he's been Schuster. good. He took All, over the slot job. Already more snaps and uh, targets than Martavis Bryant for three weeks in a row. Um, Kenny Galladay on Detroit it was doing well and, and then Got just kind of went down downhill there. Indifferent. I think he's a boomer bust guy for his whole career. I don't see him really developing the nuance in the short yardage areas. Okay. Uh, Trent Taylor, 49ers. Uh, thumbs up for PPR purposes. I think he's going to catch a lot of balls, but I don't know if he ever develops into much more than uh, just a slot possession guy like uh, Cole Beasley. Sure. Uh, Taewon Taylor for the Titans. In, indifferent. I think he's got a ton of talent, but hasn't really been showcased enough to show it. I think if he gets a chance, he could really do good things, but 
I don't know if he'll ever get a chance with the, the depth in Tennessee. At Let's play the college game, too. Corey Davis, where did he go to school? Western Michigan. And is he gonna... I went to Western Michigan. That's just an unfair one. And is he going to be uh, Is he going to be something when he finally starts playing for the Titans? Because I think uh, the, my Magic 8-Ball points to yes. So I, I still believe yes. So it's funny. You see these injury-prone guys, and you start – because, I mean, you look at him. He was hurt all preseason. He played one and a half games and was hurt again. And you start to give him the injury-prone label, label like – Rashad Perriman or Kevin White and some of these other first-round wide receivers have gotten. But Corey Davis was healthy for four full college seasons. Yeah, this is... He holds the NCAA record for receiving yards. It's a a bad experience that he's having. It's just been bad luck to start his his pro career. But once he gets healthy, I still believe this guy is a difference maker. Well, they drafted him to be the number one target there. So and he, yeah, and I, think, I mean, six the six catches he had week one demonstrate that. Right, and that was after zero preseason snaps. Yeah, uh, uh, Zay Jones, where did he go to school? Uh, Zay went to East Carolina, and he actually holds the college record for receptions in a season and career. And with Jordan Matthews now down with a broken thumb, Zay suddenly becomes the number one target there. So he can catch... Especially now that Charles Clay is out. So he can catch two balls out of seven targets instead of one out of four. (laughs) I don't want to... Look, Zay... I I expected Zay to come in and be a great possession receiver for Buffalo, and he just hasn't been efficient at all. Okay, Chris Godwin, do you think he'll do okay as soon as a a role forms for him? It looks to me like he's not going to have a job until Deshaun Jackson kind of gets out of dodge. Yeah, I I think for him, he may have an occasional week here or there. He makes a big play, but... Three or four years before he becomes something big. Yeah, I mean, well, and again, if you read that article Jason referenced earlier, uh, where I mentioned success rates based on draft round and the size of the school, power conference receivers who are drafted in the third round have a very low hit rate and I worry about Godwin again it's, it's funny because you have to take it as an at an individual level but when you look at the macro level he looks like he's not going to succeed but I mean we'll see what happens okay yeah. John Ross again what he, college did he go to John Ross went to uh, UW Washington um, he's got to get healthy again um, He's, I know these are these are top draft picks, so it's kind of like a <laughs> fish in a barrel. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just like I like to hear that because uh, this this guy Sean he does have that unique talent of of having seen so many college football games that he knows almost everyone in the league. So Ross is is injured; he needs to be healthy. He, Mike Williams, same thing; he's same. injured. I, well, the, we don't he, know how good he's going to be. Here's the here's the thing that's exciting with Williams is he's expected to play this week, so mm-hmm. we'll at least get a chance to see him on the field and see him do something. Mike, I mean, John Ross played for, what, two plays yeah, in then he's the first out. game? Yeah. And so I would love to see John Ross in the field, but he's undersized, so he's going to have kind of limited opportunities. Mike Williams is built like a number one wide receiver, so it's exciting to get him on the field and see what he can do. How about Westbrook from the Jaguars? He's going to come back soon as well. Will he come back and be the number one guy, or is it still going to be uh, Marquise Lee or Alan Hearns? Um. I think that Marquise Lee will probably still lead them in targets the rest of the way, but I do think Westbrook will factor in in a major way cool. once he gets healthy. Um, David Njoku, um, he has been getting tons of targets. Um, where did he go to school, and is he a thumbs up or a thumbs down here? Uh, he went to the University of Miami. I think long term he's a thumbs up, but for the rest of this season, I think he'll be indifferent. I mean... I think these three catches in a touchdown game will happen once every two or three weeks. He's the top rookie tight end, which is funny because O.J. Howard, which a lot of people think is the best in the draft class, is the lowest. However, O.J. Howard I, will probably end up being a good tight end in a couple years. In, in PPR scoring, is Njoku higher than Engram? I find it hard to believe that he is. I'm sorry? In PPR scoring, is Njoku higher than Engram? I, I don't know the answer to that. I find it hard to believe that he is. 
Um, within Joku, though, he's he's shown he's a red zone machine, um, but he's still splitting targets with or splitting time with the other tight end, Seth the Valve, pretty evenly. Okay. So that's kind of the, the question mark now, but long term, I love him. Evan Engram is a thumbs up from you. Big time thumbs George up. George Kittle is yeah, a thumbs up from you. In a PPR league, you you would be right, but okay, know, it, it's splitting hairs. Yeah, I mean, um, with with Engram, he's he doesn't block at all, so he's going to have to be used in a kind of a specialized receiving tight end kind of role, like Aaron Hernandez was. Okay, uh, and then with George Kittle, it was just a matter of time before he started catching the ball. I mean, they use him eighty five percent of the snaps. Finally, I mean, he had five catches week one, but for like 20 yards. And this past week, he finally started getting utilized the way he should be. Uh, and he showed what he can do. I think that they should continue to use him ahead of Brent, uh, Garrett Selleck and ahead of any other tight ends on the roster. Okay. We're not going to go through the drink five, pick five, which is kind of the, the week five or week six pickups that you should go and grab. They're on the website, drink5.com. Uh, statistically insignificant is a cool column that Jason writes, which has to do generally with about just some odd things that are recurring in the NFL on a weekly basis and some numbers that are really interesting. Some things fantasy relevant, some things just fun to read. Um, and then um, who's your lead candidate for rookie of the year so far? Kareem Hunt. I mean, that's not a questionable decision. Okay. You, you don't think that Deshaun Watson is Kareem of... Hunt? Okay. He's very. <laughs> he's very. The, sorry team, the team that's five and zero. Oh, he's taking a stand. Sorry, in my to inter- sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the Texans losing JJ Watt makes him possibly not a playoff team, and that hurts because if you don't make the playoffs, no matter what Watson does, it's hard to see them see him as rookie of the year. Especially if the Chiefs go twelve and four. I mean, if he if he plays quarterback better, fifteen hundred yards. If he, you know? well, if, he if he goes forward and plays quarterback better than any rookie it. has ever played, then I, I don't see how he doesn't win because quarterbacks are more present in in the viewpoint of the audience. But we've also discussed that I think that he's played three very weak pass defenses I, and lit them up. You and think, I think he, there's going to be some down weeks? You think there'll be down weeks? That's that's fine, and of course there will be. Uh, so let's do a little bit of over under. Last week we bet on a couple guys. Jason has a quick recap on that. Sure. Uh, so we had Vince on the show last week, uh, and Vince swept us. Uh, so congratulations, Vince. Dave, Vince, you did get yes. two of them right. Um, Vince was the only one to go over on Alex Smith's 22 points. He put up 26-86 again. That guy's insane. Uh, Bilal Powell <laughs> had 14 points. Uh, Dave, you and Vince went under, and you only had 3.3. Uh, good job. I, You may notice the theme. Got them all wrong. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins Can't win them all, had man. 13 points, <laughs> put up three touchdowns. Of course he's going over. Uh, 23.2 is his total. Uh, excellent job there. So I will be buying food of some sort when we uh, have our George Michael concert. Yeah, we've got this crazy uh, bet Michael from reunion, last year compared to a Victor Cruz Memorial. George Michael concert? It was originally. No, it's not, it has nothing to do with George Michael. <laughs> George Michael has passed away, I believe, as well. Anyway. Vince owes us uh, for, did, for a similar bet last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vince owes us a, a party with an appetizer <laughs> and a cocktail and a small gift. It, it was a joke, uh, not a joke, a bet from last year combined with a it bet from this year, joke. which will create like this big joke bet uh, this year. Anyway, here are our bets, our over-under rookie edition uh, in honor of, of Sean being here. In honor of the rookie master. Cheers once more to uh, Jason's birthday until we can't cheers anymore. That's two hours and 45 minutes away. Thank you, guys. All righty. Mm. So starting off, we're going to have Cooper Cup at six points. Um, so uh, what do you think? Where should we start? You want to start, Dave? Should we make Sean start? Sure. So uh, I want to I want to give a little background. So uh, up and down over the last couple of weeks, based on game flu, going up against a uh, 
a game flow going up against a stingy Jaguars passing defense that we talked about earlier that a lot of people are calling elite, somewhere around 170 yards per game. Uh, Cooper Cup, can he put up six points in a standard league? You can guess over or under. If we all go over, then we move it uh, We move it up. If we all go under, we move it down, and that's how the game works. Uh, I don't have a specific bet for us to go on. Uh, I was going to ask you guys earlier, but I think we should just do uh, a, a big Lou Malnati's pizza again because that's wonderful. It worked out great the last time, but I want to not have to buy it this time. Well, then you have to pick we better. We have to win. Right, you're right. <laughs> I need to pick better. So, so should I pick first? If you, you start, have... you can say over or under, yeah. All right, I am going to say under on Cooper Cup six points in standard scoring. Um, as far as I'm, as far as I know, correct me. If, I mean, I don't know if I'm wrong on this or not, uh-huh. but I believe until Antonio Brown last week, no receiver had caught for sixty yards against Jacksonville. I don't have and that I think information. Brown, did, did Brown top that? Right. Uh, Brown had like hundred and that's what I thought. Pretty quick. hundred and sixty or something. I think he is the only receiver to catch for over 60. At least 120 yards or something from last week. Jacksonville is definitely the best against wide receivers, giving up 10 points per game. They are so good. To opposing wide receivers. So good. So your stat is correct. There was games of 58, 59, and 55. Uh, That's for full teams or individual players? Individual players. Okay. That's I thought the first guy to clear 60 yards was Antonio Brown. He had a big game. Cooper Cup is not Antonio Brown. I mean, Antonio Brown had 157. Yeah, I thought he had 160. damn. DeAndre Hopkins is 7 for 55. he's different from a regular receiver, though. Um, (laughs) Robbie Anderson had 3 for 59, and Juju had 4 for 58. Well, let's continue. So he said under. You said... I think I'm going to go over. I think Cooper Cup gets a touchdown this week, and that's all it's going to take to go over six points. And I'll go under... Unless unless it's a... Well, I guess you... Unless it's a negative one-yard touchdown... (laughs) He'll get a two-yard touchdown or a negative three-yard catch later, and you're going to hate yourself when he's at 5.9. I'll go under because I don't think he scores a touchdown. Uh, Next is uh, Kareem Hunt, who has rushed for more than 100 yards in each of the past three games. Rookie of the Year candidate, as per Sean Foss, comes up this week against a Steelers defense that is not very good, unable, in fact, to stop opposing rushers. Uh, So much so that that those rushers have had... uh, um, some, 90 yard touchdowns some pretty great games so can Hunt get his touchdowns back on track and score 16 points against Pittsburgh in a standard scoring league this time around Jason you start um, uh, 16 is where we're setting the line huh well he's you're including in a standard league any receiving yardage of course of course. but even if he doesn't get any passes that would basically mean 100 yards and I'm, a touchdown I mean he's basically assured 100 yards at this point uh, the Steelers have given up some big yardage games to some guys and a couple of big point games. I got to assume Leonard Hunt. Leonard Hunt. Leonard Hunt. This, I'm, this I'm is a, reading like... Leonard Fournette on the screen. Kareem Hunt will go over sixteen. <laughs> he's he's imagining like this mashup of running backs, rookie running back. Mashup. Leonard Hunt is like the best running back <laughs> there ever was. It's the best possible mashup. Of the rookie <laughs> running back. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go under just because it's a lot of points. Uh, I mean, Hunt has had at least 100 scrimmage yards every single game so far. Um, he's gone scoreless in terms of touchdowns the last two weeks. I think he's due to break out of that. I'm going to go over. I think another at least 100 yards and a touchdown. I say over 16. Next is Deshaun Watson. Had a ridiculous amount of success so far in the NFL, but how long can he keep up this crazy pace going up against Cleveland? That shouldn't be too much of a challenge, right? Not very much. Right. How, how about setting the bar at 20 points in standard scoring for Deshaun Watson this week? I get to start, uh, and I am going to go over on the 20 points. 
I really want to go under and say he's going to have a down week, but against the Browns, I can't do it. Got to go over as well. Over. All right. So now we're at 21 points. This is no brainer as Kareem Hunt. Comes back to me and I'll say uh, over. I'll say over again. <laughs> over. 22 points, I say over. We can speed this up. Over. Over. All right, I'll go under uh, 23 points. You're gonna, under 23. Let's 23? Look. No, it, it just moved up, yeah. I'm doing the math on how many... I'm going to say under 23 also. So you're both going to take under, huh? No, over. Over 23. Damn it. Over 23. All right. So uh, Dave going under all three so far. Going more? over all three so far. All right. Wait, I've gone over all three? I am. Oh, okay. You're mixed. I'd, 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 I'd couple. That's racist, Jason. I don't... I don't know what oh, you were the one being racist at the beginning of the show. It's obvious that the Saints coaching staff is getting a kick out of Camara this season, coming off of a bye week, right? And without Adrian Peterson, which honestly didn't cut in too much to his touches, but it's just nice that he's out of the equation, uh, clamoring for any more touches. Can he match his best game so far this season, which was 10 points something, and score 10 points against Detroit? That's the question. We're still in standard scoring? It's on you, standard scoring, Camara 10 points. If we were talking PPR, I'd give him 15 easy. Of course you would, but this but is standard But non-PPR, yeah. I say under 10. Under on 10, win standard. For Alvin Kamara, standard. Under 10, I'll go under. All right, I'll go under for an under and all four. So we got to go to nine? That goes to, so nine. to nine. And Sean, you're up. Oh, I hate nine. <laughs> I know it's tough, man. I'm gonna go over nine. I think he ends up with like 92 yards and no touchdowns. Nine is over. Go over. Um, <laughs> I will also. Well, where, where's that game? Is it it's in, in New Orleans. It's in. Yeah, the I'll go over. I'll go over. I'll, I'll stay under and say Mark Ingram has the game. And uh, what, what would have happened if we all went over at nine? Would we go to nine and a half? <laughs> no, we'll go to ten. I. Oh, you mean under? You're right. You're right. Nine. We would have to go to nine and a half. I guess. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to do some kind of decimal scoring. Okay, the tiebreaker is total passing yards from Tom Brady against the Jets this week. That's a blind vote. So we'll do that after the show, and uh, we'll pick up, uh, you know, in a little bit. Uh, and we'll let you know next week on the broadcast who wins this Lou Malnati's bet. And I, I so, say so. Is the winner going to get to pick the pizza? Um, as we did before. Yeah, it should be the same thing. So the the winner loser gets buys lose. Winner, winner gets to pick. Loser gets to to lose and buy it. Uh, and that's it. Loser gets to lose. Fan- so I mean, within fantastic. reason. Fantastic, right? And then the second place finisher just gets pizza. Gets pizza. So I hope I'm second place. That's the best place to be. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, thank you all for listening this evening. We, uh, we want you guys to, to make sure to tune in to the broadcast live on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, thank you for all the people that are in the chat room right now, and there's a bunch of you. Uh, so thanks for hanging out, etc. I've got some comments out here like Jacksonville D is real. Uh, uh, Glenn wants you to know that Doxon dropped that game-winning touchdown. Yeah, yeah. And I know. I saw he, that. He also made a ridiculous catch in his last game, didn't he? <laughs> well, nobody's a, jo- a Doxon denier here. We're, we're just saying. <laughs> There's not a lot of Doxon lovers or truthers out there. Regardless, uh, tune in on Stitcher.com slash Drink5. Uh, iTunes, you can find us at Drink5 Network. Our uh, social channels are up at facebook.com slash drink5network, twitter.com slash drink5, instagram.com slash drink5. So follow us if you want. 
And if you don't, you can give us an email at DavidDrink5 or Jason at Drink5 for your questions specifically. We'll get back to you. Anyway, again, happy birthday to Jason tonight. Thank you, guys. It was a good time. And thanks happy for birthday. Sean joining us. Cheers. And uh, we we look forward to Thank the you next for show. Thank for making it Fostober. Here's to week six, yeah? 